millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. The Putin threat. It's worse than you think. Amy Knight. The fact that Putin has basically murdered political opponents and democratic critics, possibly participated in terrorist acts, it changes the whole ballgame. It's rather surprising that Mr. Trump seems to bend over backwards to praise Vladimir Putin. And he's has said there's no evidence to show that Putin kills anyone. In another interview, when asked about Putin being a, a murderer or a killer, he just shrugged his shoulders and said, lots of people kill. We do, too. How do we fix it? How do we fix it? Today, the threat of Vladimir Putin to the world, to America, and especially to his own people. Is there a better way to deal with Russia? How much will Putin continue to meddle in our democracy and attempt to weaken the West? Our guest is Amy Knight. The New York Times called her the West's most foremost scholar of the Russian Secret Service. Why don't you run that again? He said most foremost. I did, didn't I? And that's redundant and repetitive. Thank you. Anything else wrong no, with it? I'm Apart from that, it was pretty I'm good, t- right? I'm the print guy. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest is Amy Knight. The New York Times called her the West's foremost scholar of the Russian Secret Service, the KGB, and I guess also the FSB. She's the author of the new book, Orders to Kill, the Putin Regime and Political Murder. The book ties Putin to political murders, coercion, and intimidation. It's really a chilling read. Amy Knight, welcome to our table. Thank you. You write that Putin has ordered the murders of political opponents and is linked even to acts of terrorism. So how much of a menace is he? Well... I think that he's a very great menace, both internally and domestically for for Russians and Russian society, but also it has implications uh, for Western governments that try to deal with him. The fact that Putin has basically murdered political opponents and democratic critics, possibly participated in terrorist acts, it kind of changes the whole ballgame. In, in the terms of having someone sitting across the table in negotiations that that we can we can count on or that's a or, or that's a fair with, dealer. Yeah. Well, yes, I I 
I think particularly if, if you look at our current administration, the uh, President Trump, the idea that Mr. Putin is a good guy because he's such a strong leader and, and you can do business with him, well, the source of his strength is intimidation and fear. Despite all of this, Trump appears to admire him. So is that kind of weird, especially for a Republican president, the Republicans known for being somewhat more hawkish on foreign policy than the Democrats? Yes, I think it's rather surprising that Mr. Trump seems to bend over backwards to praise Vladimir Putin. And he has said there's no evidence to show that Putin kills anyone. And in another interview, President Trump said, when asked about Putin being a, a murderer or a killer, he just shrugged his shoulders and said, lots of, lots of people kill. We do too. So, yes. Um, That's which, is, which always struck me as almost like a, an echo of a left-wing worldview that, that these transgressions are the same, you know, that the, the U.S. is just as implicated in this kind of thing. It was shocking to hear that from Trump, I thought. Yes, and, and also uh, President Trump has um, gone a good ways towards pleasing the Kremlin in several of the policies that he has adopted. For example, questioning the viability of NATO, I mean, the the Kremlin hates NATO, and they would like nothing more than to see that NATO alliance weaken. Some people have suggested that it may be that the Russians have compromising material on Mr. Trump, and this is what makes him go so far doing things that please the Kremlin. It's very difficult to say, but eventually we may find out what Mr. Trump's motivations are. Well, in Washington, we have the Russia investigation headed up by the former FBI director, Robert Mueller. What are the possible links between Russia and, and President Trump? Well, we've seen this, um, the um, hacking that went on by the, by the Russians, and it's been established that the Russians were involved in the hacking. And they hacked the Democratic National Committee. And then we saw the release of a lot of these emails that were unfavorable to Hillary Clinton on WikiLeaks, for example. And the possible links between Trump personally and and Russia? I I think that it's possible that the Russians have what we call compromat or compromising material on Mr. Trump. We've seen that this Steele, so-called Steele dossier, which came out in early 2017. This is the uh, British intelligence yes, the, officer? the British and MI6, former MI6 officer, Christopher Steele. And his report was quite a bit of damaging information on Donald Trump. And also the report told about collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians to undermine the Hillary Clinton campaign. So people have tried to discredit the Steele report. I think we'll we'll find out more as the Mueller investigation continues. Now, Russia, after the breakup of the Soviet Union, Russia was a fledgling democracy that had a lot of issues, but it was seemed to be making progress. And then when Putin came on the scene after Yeltsin, Somehow he consolidated power to a degree that you say Russia today really should be classified as a police state. Well, Mr. Putin, as you know, his career was in the KGB and the successor, the FSB. And in this position, um, 
Mr. Putin really held a lot of cards because he controlled the investigations and the intelligence. So when he was singled out by the Yeltsin administration as someone who could succeed President Yeltsin, Mr. Putin brought with him a whole coterie of security officials. And he was able to use his connections and his position to intimidate the media, to get rid of oligarchs that he was unhappy with, that challenged his rule, like Boris Berezovsky. And after a while, Mr. Putin completely dominated the political stage. You've mentioned the FSB, and then there's the KGB. The FSB is the successor to the KGB, right? Right. In 1991, the KGB was disbanded. This is when the Soviet Union collapsed. When the Soviet Union collapsed. And after that, there were several sort of reincarnations of the KGB. But the FSB is the counterintelligence agency, and there is a separate foreign intelligence agency. Let's take an example of the killings Putin is linked to and that you write about in your book. In fact, your book is dedicated to Marina Litvinenko, the widow of Alexander Litvinenko. Who who was he? Alexander Litvinenko was a former KGB FSB officer who worked for the FSB in the 90s, and he was in a unit that got very involved with uh, the mafia, and there was uh, a lot of violence and, and blood. He also went down to Chechnya, and I think at that point, Litvinenko began to kind of lose faith in what the FSB really stood for, because they did a lot of really uh, nasty things. The final straw for Mr. Litvinenko was when he was asked to participate in the assassination of oligarch Boris Berezovsky. Instead of following through with that order, Mr. Litvinenko told Berezovsky and staged a press conference that was televised, and they revealed this plot. Mr. Litvinenko suffered for what he did. He was imprisoned twice. And finally, when he uh, was released from prison, he quickly escaped to London, where he gained asylum. And then what happened? Well, Mr. Litvinenko began a campaign against Vladimir Putin. He was financed largely by Berezovsky, who also fled to London, And the two of them devoted themselves to becoming outspoken critics of Vladimir Putin. And and then what happened to those two? Well, um, things did not turn out particularly well. Litvinenko was poisoned by a very lethal radiation poison, polonium-210, in November of 2006. The two gentlemen who put the polonium in a pot of green tea that Mr. Litvinenko sipped on were Russians hired by the FSB. You don't really have definitive evidence tying 
Putin to these cases. That's really not possible. But the circumstantial evidence of case after case after case does seem pretty overwhelming. Yes, it's the vast amount of circumstantial evidence that points to Mr. Putin, which I think really makes my case. I might add that in the case of Litvinenko, we had this British inquiry, and the British High Court judge found these two Russians who worked for the FSB to be the killers. It's very telling that Russia would not allow them to be extradited. They fled back to Moscow. Mr. Putin gave one of them, Lugavoy, a Medal of Honor, and Lugavoy became a member of parliament. So I I think that that pretty much says it as far as Kremlin complicity in these murders are concerned. You say that Vladimir Putin may be involved in acts of terrorism, even the Boston Marathon bombing. Uh, Where's the evidence for that? I suggested that there was possibly an effort on the part of the Kremlin to radicalize Tamerlane Tsarnaev, who was one of the two brothers who carried out the Boston bombings. The Tsarnaev family came over from the North Caucasus just after 9-11, And Tamerlane, the older brother, by the way, the father was a Chechen, and Tamerlane then lived in Boston with his family, he and his brother. And the Russian FSB started apparently following him because they sent a message to the FBI asking about Tamerlane and suggesting that he might have terrorist leanings. Well, what happened was the FBI did interview Tamerlane, and they didn't find anything suspicious. And all of a sudden, in 2012, Tamerlane went over to Russia. Now, he slipped through the cracks in the United States, but surely the Russian FSB knew who he was, and they knew that he had come to Russia because he'd already been on their radar screen. Tamerlane stayed there for six months in the North Caucasus, and it's pretty certain that that was when he became radicalized and came back to the United States with a determination to carry out a terrorist act. The FSB never told the FBI that Tamerlane Tsarnaev had come to Russia and stayed there for those six months. Why would they have done this? Why would they encourage Tamerlane to carry out an act of terror in the United States? Well, the Russians had had quite a few terrorist attacks within their own country. They were about to uh, host the Winter Olympics in Sochi, and people were beginning to be worried about their ability to control the problem of terrorism. So when this terrible bombing took place in, in Boston, the Russians were able to say, well, look, the Americans have a problem with terrorism as well. And a second motivation would have been that the Russian government was very heavily criticized by human rights groups for suppressing the Chechens, particularly in the second war against Chechnya. I mean, uh, to be clear, that occupation, that war was incredibly brutal with massive shelling of civilian areas and and a lot of, of... Uh, behavior on the part of the military that was really egregious, right? Yes, the Russian military was very, very brutal. And, you know, 100,000 Chechens, civilians died. The city of Grozny, the capital was decimated. 
So the Kremlin had had uh, been under a lot of criticism for this, and their excuse was the Chechens are terrorists. So with Tamerlane and Jokar Tsarnaev committing this bombing in Boston, the Kremlin was able to say, look, they're Chechens. We were right after all. And the United States and we, Russia, have a common enemy. This is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And we're talking with Amy Knight, an expert on Russian politics and history. Coming next, possible solutions. What are some better ways to deal with Vladimir Putin? Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Amy Knight, do you think that the West is taking him seriously and reacting effectively I think it depends on what country you're talking about. I think that Angela Merkel in Germany is uh, very well aware, and she sets a good example for other Western governments. She stands pretty firm. For example, Ramzan Kadyrov, who is the president of Chechnya, is a ruthless thug and a dictator. He is a puppet of the Kremlin, but he also is given free reign in Chechnya, And his forces have carried out some of the murders of Kremlin critics. Angela Merkel has come out pretty strongly criticizing Kadyrov, particularly after his anti-gay campaign. And she was willing to face up to Putin directly and tell him that this was not right and that something should be done to rein in Kadyrov. So that's the kind of thing that Western governments should do more of. The other thing is, if they draw attention to uh, the fear and intimidation that the Kremlin uses against its opponents and its critics, including violence, then it encourages the democratic opposition and the courageous journalists who are still in the country. I remember back in the 2012 presidential debates when uh, Mitt Romney said that he thought that Russia was our biggest geopolitical threat. And that set up a pretty good comeback line from Obama. He said, the 1980s are calling, they want their foreign policy back, which got a big laugh. So a lot of people consider that kind of the knockout blow of the campaign. Was Mitt Romney right? I think Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney was right. Mr. Obama 
at the particularly at, at the beginning of his presidency, and he he was not alone because other Western governments had the same attitude. They they felt that uh, maybe there was a liberal trend in Russia because Dmitry Medvedev, as you will recall, became Russian president in two thousand and eight. So people were hoping, and the Obama administration uh, in particular, were hoping that this heralded a uh, a new era of better relations with Russia. Unfortunately, they miscalculated because Dmitry Medvedev turned out to be just a placeholder for Mr. Putin so that he could come back in 2012 and run for the presidency again. And also, Mr. Medvedev did not turn out to be the liberal that everyone thought he was. He was basically a Putin puppet. Now, Russia has invaded part of eastern Ukraine. Um, Its military behavior recently, in, in recent weeks, off the coast of Sweden in the Baltic Sea has been decidedly threatening. Should NATO... Uh, respond more forcefully, the North Atlantic Treaty Alliance? The NATO members have good reason to be concerned, particularly because of these Zapad uh, military exercises near the Baltics. But I think this is just another example of Russia kind of flexing its muscles. I I don't think uh, this is a harbinger of anything more aggressive But there is a huge problem with the Russian military involvement in eastern Ukraine. The Russians will not withdraw all their forces, and they keep inciting the separatists. They don't want things to calm down, and they don't seem to want a settlement because it's in their interest to keep uh, Ukraine unstable. You know, we think of Putin as being so powerful and, and having such complete control, 80% popularity by according to some polls. And yet, This is in Russia. Yeah. In Russia. I don't mean here. <laughs> Not yet, thank God. But we have this image of this kind of all-powerful leader. But one of the things that came through in your book I thought was fascinating was you said his hold on power is more illusory than real. And he's very concerned. They have these presidential elections coming up, which he can largely rig to his benefit. But in the past, there have been protests and there has been uh, pushback from some segments of the population. So you're arguing that some of the reason he turns to violence against his critics is because they actually are a threat to him. Yes. And uh, in particular, I would cite Alexei Navalny, who is becoming extremely popular among the young people. Uh, 41-year-old anti-corruption crusader. He ha- has a group of, um, uh, of supporters who have produced some really amazing, very relevatory documentaries that have been posted on YouTube revealing the huge corruption on the part of Putin and several of his allies. These revelations were partly what caused the widespread street protests all over Russia in March and June of this past year. The uh, Russian people are particularly sensitive when it comes to corruption. The Russian economy has not been doing well over the past few years, and it's the Russian people that are really bearing the brunt of the economic failings of Russia. But in the meantime, they're hearing about the lavish lifestyles 
of the Kremlin elite. So this discrepancy is what really draws people out onto the streets. And you might recall that um, one of the main causes of the collapse of the Soviet Union were the massive street demonstrations in 1990. And those were basically caused by economic concerns and economic discontent. And Navalny is a, is a grave threat, I think, to Putin and his colleagues. And Putin is a grave threat to Navalny. I assume <laughs> that, that his life could be in danger. Yes. Navalny said not long ago that he had a 50-50 chance of being murdered. Last spring, some thugs came up and threw poison, which almost made him blind in one eye. Are you disappointed that Western media, and indeed, especially the Trump administration, have said so little about what are really outrages in Russia. I mean, Russia is a nuclear power. It may not be a Cold War adversary in the way that it was for many decades, but nevertheless, in an, an important country. Well, there are um, lobbyists who have been fairly successful at getting these sanctions against Russia and Russian officials. And this is an important tool. The Magnitsky sanctions having to do with this so-called Magnitsky Act, those sanctions target mainly lower-level, middle-level officials who were involved in the murder of Sergei Magnitsky in 2009. But more important are the economic sanctions against Uh, Kremlin officials and companies that came about after the Russian takeover of of Crimea. And those, no matter what the Russian government says, have been very, very damaging to the Russian economy. It really hurts them a lot. So there are things that can be done by the U.S. and other countries to yes. weaken Putin and, and strengthen us, really. So, yes. so what else would you recommend? I mean, what's on your list of things that, uh, you know, government protecting our interest and, and looking out for the interests of others around the world would do? Well, I think it's important that governments, Western governments, are, are open about the fact that these murders and acts of violence against Democrats and uh, journalists in Russia were open. We should be more open about what's happening. And I think that, that this should be discussed with Kremlin officials at high levels. And I think that we should pay more attention to the human rights groups who talk about this all the time. So publicity is an important weapon. And also, there are economic tools that we can use. Are there particular human rights groups that we all should be more aware of? I think um, most of the human rights groups are well-known internationally. What comes to mind is Human Rights Watch, which investigates and writes about the violation of of human rights within the country, and also Memorial, the society. um, And, for example, they've done a lot of work in Chechnya and documented um, the terrible horrors that... Ramzan Kadyrov is committed in that country as president. Who inspires you? I'm very inspired by the Russian journalists who have stayed in the country and are willing to be very open about what is happening in the Kremlin. 
One of those journalists is Yevgenia Albatz, who is the editor of New Times magazine, and she also appears regularly on the radio station Echo Muskvi. Another person that I admire a great deal, of course, is Alexei Navalny, because it requires huge courage to do what he's doing. And I think he's he has a wife and two children, and he's going out there and exposing himself for a greater cause. Amy Knight, thanks very much for joining us. The book is called Orders to Kill the Putin Regime and Political Murder. Thank you. Before I read the book and talked to Amy Knight, I didn't realize just quite how awful Vladimir Putin was. And I think it's an ignored part of the story, ignored partially because there's been so much media coverage of the Mueller investigation and so many reports that really don't get us anywhere. We don't know exactly what the former FBI director has uncovered about the possible Trump ties to Russia. It would be helpful if the media would focus more on the background, more about Putin and what kind of threat he is, rather than just talking about a secret and incomplete Mueller investigation. Yeah, I agree with that. And really what comes through so clearly for people who've been following this is these murders and, and repression that Putin has done internally. This has been going on since his rise to power. But it's not purely an internal matter because Putin benefits from chaos and disruption around the world because we're not then or in an organized position to, you know, rally together our allies or resist their movements towards expansionism and other other problems. And it's crucial for the strength of democracy in this country and in others that we speak out when there are particular egregious offenses against democracy, political murder, and uh, corruption, widespread yeah. corruption. Yeah, and you know, she makes a good case that this has been a bipartisan oversight for, for many years. There was, um, you know, there was not a lot of curiosity on the part of the Obama administration, or for that matter, on the Bush administration before that. Um, and we're not alone in this. She, this is a problem across the West. These things come up. People complain there's some protesting, but but Russia doesn't pay and Putin doesn't pay much of a penalty. And yet quietly and and egregiously undercovered human rights groups such as Amnesty International, Memorial and Human Rights Watch do the work and try and call out these examples of wrongdoing. Yeah, I would throw in the committee to protect journalists as well. Sure. And I think that, you know, people go, oh, what can we do? But people can get involved. You can join a human rights group and write individual letters to your members of Congress or on behalf of people who are unfairly uh, thrown into jail without due process, whether it's in Russia or other countries as well. These groups like Amnesty International Human Rights Watch make a big difference. Yeah, and I think we can also influence our, our domestic leaders. And I think that certainly one thing where you can say the Republican Party has shown a little bit of spine with regard to Trump is being very outspoken on how serious this issue is. Well, and, some members. Yeah. But, and, but and many members haven't been. Uh, but the And there are also the, the Magnitsky Act and the sanctions, which have been bipartisan here. Those, those have shown a willingness to put the screws to, to Russia a little bit. And I think that that's 
important. What's going on there is just one more test of our democracy, not just in this country, but elsewhere. This is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. I'm Jim Meggs. Our show is produced by Miranda Schaefer, music by Lou Stravinsky, and this show is a production of Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. Find out more about us and what we're doing, our other clients, at DaviesContent.com. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.